ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. And here is our friend Tim Cass in New York City. Hello, Tim. Yes, Tim. Greetings from a wintry day here in New York City. Yes. Happy New Year to you and all the listeners. Happy New Year to you too. I was just speaking to a listener in Malmo, Sweden, and uh, he's got it at Mm -hmm. minus 13. How chilly is it in New York today? Well, we're about five degrees, I think, today. Heat wave. Which is actually (laughs) the temperature that it needs to be to snow. So they've been talking about maybe a dusting of snow in the, in the next few days. And I have to tell you, Tim, we haven't had any snow in nearly two years. So um, wow. it's been quite a while. Yeah. So this will be interesting to see if we get a, how many inches um, will happen, if, if at all. But, uh, you know, it's very hard to predict. Sometimes they say there's going to be six inches, which they did earlier in the week. And now they're saying they're not sure. So um, mm. it's very unpredictable, the snow. Well, I hope you get it. It's lovely, but it's snow, isn't it? Yes, particularly, I mean, it wish it had happened uh, a little sooner for the Christmas holidays. Yeah, right. Now, um, this is uh, interesting, and perhaps you could advise me and the listeners, because mine is still there, uh, sitting next to the cl- a slow combustion heater, and we turn the lights on at, at night still. <laughs> Don't know if we should be. <laughs> when do you take down the Christmas tree? <clears throat> well, this is the big debate in New York at the moment. I mean, there was a lot of talk about fake trees versus real trees and uh, I can tell you 65% of New Yorkers did have fake trees and uh, but the question right now is now that we've passed Christmas and passed New Year's Eve is you know when is the right time to take down your tree so you know I guess traditionally they talk about 12 days after Christmas but um, there are a lot of famous trees here in New York City in particular the one at Rockefeller Center and uh, that's not anticipated to come down until January 13th so we have other trees, oh, and the right. trees are always planted and you know on display at various parks. And in doing my research, I was interested to learn, Tim, that the oldest display of a Christmas tree in a New York City park is dates back to 1912, and that's in Madison Square Park. So that's actually the oldest tree that's been on display over all these years right. here in New York City, much older than the famous Rockefeller tree. Don't they get, the live ones that is, don't they get a bit uh, tatty looking the, the more you get into January? It just depends on the weather, Tim. You know, yeah. they lose their needles. Um, yeah. So, But the ones I've seen around town still have their needles. It's been cold enough that they, they haven't necessarily dropped. I was in Washington Square Park the other day and, admiring the tree that they put under the arch in Washington Square Park. And they did have uh, an area where people could bring their trees to, uh, to discard them. So the city does this sort of mulch fest where they grind up all the old dead mm. pine trees and uh, reuse them for fertilizer. Yeah, I think that's terrific. And you said, uh, from uh, my seeing here, some of the lumber, the timber, is used in the construction of new homes. Yes, that is the wow. lumber that's um, collected from the Rockefeller tree because that's one of the largest yeah. trees that's brought into the city and uh, you know they transport it miles from upstate New York and uh, when it's brought down, they actually use that lumber for a charity called um, uh, Humanity... Sorry, I've... Um, Habit, habit, habitat, for habitat, yeah, habitat yeah. for humanity. Habitat yeah. for humanity. Yeah. And they, they construct new homes for um, underprivileged people. So the, the wood is put to good use. And That's great. Support. That's really great. Yeah. I love that story. That's terrific. Now, this one, gee, I'm just thinking uh, as we do the story, 
every time you see uh, a movie it's, that starts in New York, uh, there it is. It's always been there, and uh, God, it's been in so many movies itself. Uh, the Empire State Building, but uh, New Yorkers are a bit dismayed that it could be obstructed from view a bit. Yes. A um, little sorry to report, Tim, that, uh, you know, I go to the gym every day, every other day here in New York, and my gym is in the Flatiron District. And I have the pleasure of walking up Broadway and cutting through Union Square Park and then across to Fifth Avenue. And I have to say, one of the great joys of every morning is walking up Fifth Avenue and having this unobstructed view of the Empire State. But I'm sorry to report that there is a brand new high-rise skyscraper going up just a few blocks south. And uh, it's getting so tall that it's starting to obscure the site of the Empire State Building. And there's been a lot of talk about uh, this mm. is a problem because if you stand at the corner of 23rd Street and Broadway <clears throat> and Fifth Avenue, because they all intersect in Chelsea, you've always had this amazing unobstructed view of the Empire State. But unfortunately, it's now being obscured. So there's a lot of talk as to whether they should regulate um, buildings oh, to preserve, yeah. preserve yeah. views around it. Yeah. Um, you know, cities like Paris... They restrict the height of buildings. There's no high-rise buildings. And yep. having just been in London, there are certain areas of London where they only allow high-rise. So, um, you know, this is something that uh, is being talked about at the moment. It will be interesting to see if it happens. But it's uh, hmm. quite a shame to see the iconic building being obscured by this new luxury high-rise building. And, God, 860 feet, 260 metres. That's a, that's a tall building. Yes, it is. Not as tall as the Empire State, of course. Everyone, I'm sure, knows that the Empire State was once the tallest building in the world. It it was, It's about 300-plus metres tall. It's not much, So it wasn't quite as tall, but uh, it's going to obscure most of the building, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, it's a conversation that I think every major city in the world is going to have to have, Tim, and we're having it here. And, you know, councils are saying, local councils and state governments saying, well, you know, if we're going to provide housing for people, we've got to go up. We can't go out anymore. So um, I suppose it's going to happen. Is this going to be an apartment building or office space or both (laughs) or what? My understanding is it's going to be a luxury condominium building, so residential. Okay, yeah. More housing. Yeah, you can't build housing quick enough here in New York. No, it's the same here. So, uh, gee, I don't know what you do about that, but I understand because, you you know, you've had a view of this beautiful, iconic building and all of a sudden you don't have it. So, yeah, it's not good. No. Yeah, it's now, I, I know you always like to talk about uh, your food, and so do I. You've got you've got a new French <laughs> French bistro in beautiful Manhattan. Yes, I was fortunate enough to go there recently, actually for Christmas and dinner on Christmas Day. It's this new French bistro called the Chelsea Cafe, and uh, you know it's got a lot of write-ups recently in the papers, and it's been given the local uh, pastis and Balthazar, which are very well-known French restaurants, a run for their money. It's um, getting applauded for its fine food. I mean, it's traditional French cuisine, so it's, you know, your typical steak frites, but it's been mentioned that maybe they have the best ones in town. And it's a typical French bistro where, you know, you walk in and the interior has beautiful tiled floors and vintage mirrors and sponsors on the walls and spectacular chandeliers. In fact, the chandeliers in the restaurant came from the old former department store, Lord & Taylor, here on Fifth Avenue. Ah. So it's a remarkable space and definitely worth a visit. But uh, 
not too many vegan options, unfortunately, Tim, I have to say. <laughs> you know, I was a little restricted in my uh, vegan menu on Christmas Day, but they do have a grilled mataki mushroom in a cognac peppercorn sauce, which oh, I can stop, highly recommend. Stop it. <laughs> Along <laughs> with a delicious endive salad. I do like endive myself, but yeah. um, typically it's served with Rockford cheese, but uh, if you hold the Rockford, it can be vegan, but otherwise it's vegetarian. Wow. Well, I can, t- well, it's just, you've just popped, God, cognac peppercorn sauce. How good does that sound? Um, well, for dinner last night, you'd be very proud of me. It was, uh, do you do uh, fish or you don't, it's all vegan for you? I'm 90% vegan, Tim. You know, occasionally when I eat out, it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, um, you know, pescatarian sometimes or right. vegetarian yeah, right. if possible, but um it's veganary month this month. I don't know if that's something that happens in Australia, but they're encouraging everyone to uh, switch to a vegan diet. For the month of January. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah no, no. I was going to, I'm going to tell you, I had a uh, a John Dory fillet, which is a very nice fish here, and uh, something that I absolutely, oh, yes. I absolutely love is uh, uh, some halloumi uh, fried in the pan with uh, some of the lovely sauce my wife makes. It that's a cheese. I don't know if you do cheese, but that it was a very lo- and some salad. It was a very lovely dinner. It was yum. Yeah, sounds good. Yes. Yeah. Now, if you're going to New York, some live shows on during the holidays. Yeah, one of the great things about the holidays, Tim, if you stay in the city, is, you know, so many people leave. I mean, we do get a lot of tourists come to visit, of course, which is fantastic, but uh, a lot of the locals leave, so it's a great opportunity to get tickets to some of the top shows in town. And I was fortunate enough to score some tickets to a Broadway show called Anne Juliet. Uh, It was playing, actually, in London when I was there, and I didn't have the opportunity to see it. Uh, That's where it began, but I got to see it on the Broadway stage here in New York, and I have to say, it was a, a fantastic show. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, along with that, I also got to see a dance company perform called Momix. Uh, there's a uh, Joyce Theatre in Chelsea, which specializes in dance performances. So mm. any of the listeners that do enjoy seeing dance performances, the Joyce Theatre is the place to go. And then in addition to that, I saw Sandra Bernhardt perform. She's uh, an actress, comedian, singer, and she was performing at Joe's Pub, which is right across the street from my apartment at the public theatre. So I was very nicely entertained over the holiday season. I wasn't working between Christmas and New Year, so I had that time to enjoy the benefits of living in New York City. Yeah. Are all those shows on for a little while or finishing soon? Yes. Oh, they're on? Yes. Great. Uh, Sandra Bernhardt is only over the uh, holiday season. It's sort of a one-woman show that she does around New Year, so that's ending very shortly. But um, And the dance performance, Momix, it is a limited run. I think it's about four weeks. But, of course, yeah. and Juliet will be running for some time. Yeah, great. But excuse me one second. I just need to tell my listeners, uh, Alistair has decided our uh, quiz winner was Louise. Now, well done, Louise from Gosford. <coughs> She's got herself uh, an ABC fridge magnet on the way out to you, Louise. So Louise from Gosford is the uh, Magnet winner. Now I remember you telling me this, um, oh, some months ago, Tim. No more vendors on the Brooklyn Bridge. Yes, um, you know the Brooklyn Bridge, Tim, has become one of the most popular tourist attractions here in the city. Besides, it's utilised by people who live in Brooklyn and work in the city. They often ride their bikes or walk across the bridge to come into work. So the traffic on the bridge, pedestrian traffic in particular 
have increased dramatically. In fact, at the moment, they're getting an average yeah. of 36,000 people walking across the bridge each day. And up until last Wednesday, this week, um, there were vendors crowding the um, the walkway. So it made it very difficult and very congested for pedestrians to walk along this walkway. Yeah. So the city has decided to, to ban them all. In fact, not only to ban them from the Brooklyn Bridge, but from every bridge in New York. So uh, it's cleared up a lot of space. There have been reports even this morning on the news how much open it is now that people can uh, mm. freely uh, walk across the bridge. And the vendors have relocated. They're, they're still there. You know, they've just moved off the bridge. So for those people that want to buy souvenirs or do need a bite to eat, you know, they're not far away. So I think it's a great move for the city because, yeah. you know, as I said, yeah. Brooklyn Bridge is such a big tourist attraction and used by the locals as well. That, yeah. uh, it's nice to have a clear passage now. So uh, definitely a big improvement. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I suppose some of them were selling, what, just, you know, trinkets and stuff, were they? Uh, and did they give it, get any business? <laughs> Yeah, I believe you know there's a lot of people that were reported on the news that you know make a living, of course, okay. <clears throat> from yeah. having their stands on the bridge, and they've been doing it. You know, it's been a family business. There was one woman that's uh, done it all her life, and uh, she was very upset that she had to yeah, move right. off the bridge. But you know, I think the people that do want to buy things will still sort of frequent their stores, and um, maybe yeah. just have to walk a little further to see them. Yeah, and I'm thinking, you mentioned uh, Paris earlier, and you're absolutely right. It just popped into my head, too, about uh, skyscrapers. They don't have them. If you go for that to walk up to the top of Notre Dame, and they're still in the process of rebuilding that, you can look down the Seine, yeah. and there's not a high-rise building in sight. It's, uh, it's one, of the exactly. features, one of the features of Paris. And they have the vendors, uh, you know, all along the Seine selling art and trinkets and, and souvenirs. They're okay because they're, they're not sort of in the way, but I, I imagine they were a bit on the Brooklyn Bridge, yeah, and the other bridges. Yeah, and I think in Paris too, um, Tim, they don't have them on the bridges in Paris from memory. They no, do have them no I don't the think Seine, so. As you no. mentioned, yeah. but I think they also ban them from the bridges. Yeah, they do right. have in Paris, as I'm sure many of your listeners have heard about the uh, people put locks on the bridge. It's sort of a sign of connection with someone. They hang a lock, and that's something that's been done on the Brooklyn Bridge, and I also noticed it on some bridges in London. So yeah. that's a popular phrase. I don't know if it's done in uh, Sydney Harbour. This, Sydney Harbour doesn't allow vendors, does it, Tim? Uh, oh, certainly not, no. Uh, no, you no. couldn't. Well, you couldn't have them. Uh, you couldn't have them on the Harbour Bridge. Or No, 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 absolutely not. No, you'd be carted, you'd be carted away by a policeman very quickly. <laughs> Right. Very, very quickly, <laughs> let me tell you. Oh, no, 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 not allowed on the bridges here. It's, and I imagine it's the same right. in Melbourne and Adelaide and Brisbane and Perth and, and everywhere and, and Hobart. So, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> you're going to confess something to us. And uh, for, <laughs> for someone who's a New Yorker, uh, Timothy, why did you not know this? <laughs> I do not know, Tim, why this escapes me for so many years. I mean, lived here for yeah. over half my life, more than three decades. Yeah. I recently learned that, you know, I've often spent time in Central Park. Central Park is a huge attraction here. It's a beautiful park. It's, mm. you know, hundreds of acres. In fact, it's 3.4 square kilometers. Yeah. And it's right here in the center of the city, and it's delightful to go in. I've been to Shakespeare in the park. I go yeah. for strolls. Yeah. But I recently learned that of the... 1,800 lampposts in Central Park, each one is marked with a number. Okay. I had no idea. The okay. number is towards the base of the lamppost. Yeah. And those yeah. numbers correlate to your location in the park. So the okay. first 
few numbers, whether it could be two or three, or because the park starts at 59th Street and extends all the way to 110th. Mm. So the first three numbers are actually the street that you correspond to. So if the so if the post says 69, you're at 69th Street. Now, of course, we have east and west ah, side of Manhattan. Right. And if there's an even number, the even numbers in New York, and this applies to the streets of New York, the even numbers all go from west to east. So if it's an even number, you're on the east side. If it's an odd number, you're heading west, so you're on the west side. So if you get lost, and people often do in Central Park, and there's yeah. many places that you can be where you're all by yourself and you haven't got a clue where you are, um, the secret is just to go up to one of these 1800 lampposts and check out the number on the base, yeah. and you'll be able to find your way out. So uh, this is a trick. You know, I've mentioned this to many people, Tim, <laughs> that I've known and lived here for a long time as well, yeah. and no one seemed to know this fact. I think this is something that's uh, new to a lot of people, but, uh, you know, new Central Park is hundreds of years old, yeah. and uh, these lampposts have been here all this time, so... Someone was very wise when they planned this park so that uh, yeah. knowing that it was so big and that people could easily get lost, now I know my way out. Yeah. that's Well, you can't get lost now. <laughs> no excuse. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, by the way, my, my listeners can be very funny. Uh, one of them, Alfie's, just said, there's a Judge Dredd comic where the Empire State Building has become an underground squat. <laughs> 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 yeah, righto. Judge, judge, okay. judge Dredd. All right, well, now you can't get lost in New York, and you've told us about uh, eating in New York, and it's always been a lovely chat with you. Always a very, very happy 2024 to you, and, and thanks again for, for joining us, Tim. <clears throat> Likewise to you, Tim, and all your listeners. Tim Cass in New York. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. 